of Moped Outlaws with your host and mine, Vagabond. Welcome, Vagabond. Thank you, Mark Wendt. <laughs> For those of you who are not excited by the visual display that we offer, we get to put names, funny names, on our um, video impulses when we're doing this live for YouTube. If you want to check it out, go to YouTube. Otherwise, you'll be... On Facebook or Twitter. Or, or, or otherwise, you'll just be wondering, what the hell is Mark talking what about? What are they talking about? Bond, vagabond, double oh eight and a half. I don't kill. I leave. (laughs) 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 Yes. And that's what this episode's about. Van life and freedom. And yeah, I guess for you and I, the imagined freedom involved with van life. Yeah. I don't spend a lot of time imagining that. I do. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, it is. I fucking would love to be a vagabond. I would. One of my favorite. I think I've mentioned this on our podcast that one of my favorite times in life was the um, trip around the United States one summer in an RV that my parents had. That was amazing. Yeah, the way I see it is like more like, um, you know, multiple houses or at least the ability to rent periodically in places like Belize or the Yucatan Peninsula and then come back to my home for a couple of months of the year and then go back out like Italy, Bali, stuff like that. That's my version of Vagabond. So you don't want to be in the van life? Well, the one caveat is that I've, as a musician uh, who's always been an amateur but performed and played a lot, I still would love to be on a tour bus traveling the United States and Canada playing shows. So at, at that level, I'd be up. I'd be in. You know, I think that's totally plausible. Like, I think um, if Tomas was not into it, you could just form a band and just book yourselves. Usually you start in the van, and I'm sort of hoping to go skip the van stage. And go to like RV slash, you know, tour bus stage. No, no, It happens, uh, but I'm not in the demographic that it happens to. So, yeah, but that's because people give up at our age. You don't have to give up. I refuse to give up. Yeah, go in the van. Did you see that documentary that um, Dave Grohl did about van life? You know, and and no, I love Dave Grohl. I'm going to definitely have to figure this out. It's very good. And it's, you know, like how the van, even uh, Paul McCartney's talking about he and his mites and the van that they piled into, you know, it's like, it's just part of the grind is yeah. that stage. Yeah. So I think and you can't skip that stage, Mark. That's what I'm saying. Well, then I'm going to need more pain meds. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, speaking of that, how's your... um physical regime and your 
Well, I'm pretty, I'm managing to can be consistent with my meditation practices and my Qigong. I have to get up earlier because, uh, during this period of time, I am a site assistant for a local summer camp. And, uh, wow, that is quite an experience. Let me tell you. And, and, and uh, so, uh, I'm on my feet on the concrete and the AstroTurf a lot when I'm not in the uh, facility, in the classroom facility. And, it's really challenging me physically. Uh, what the, the upside is I'm getting a lot of sun, which oh, is feels healthy, right? Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting a, a lot of um, spiritual counseling from being in charge of large groups of young people. <laughs> the wisdom of babes. Yes. Well, what it, what it is, is noticing myself in the context of all of that chaos and how I'm there to manage it on some level and how that sometimes I can do it well. And sometimes I can't. And like, I had a guy on Friday who was just in full on non-compliance mode was just like, not doing it, not going to have it. Right. And I was interesting to witness, um, and remember, man, I think I was like that at some point in the distant past where I was just given some poor teacher hell. Yeah. You uh, shared with us, like, that's who you were as a kid. You were the yeah. guy who was like, fuck you. Right. What, you want me home at 10? Guess what? I'm coming home when I want. Okay. Right. So that's been really eye opening uh, as far as in the moment, conscious awareness, compassion, and self-management. <laughs> and it's fun because the, the camp I'm, uh, administering is a, you know, social emotional learning is like the core curriculum. So I have to be a, uh, have to be an example of that as well as try to get the kids to talk about, you know, how they're feeling and, and what empathy is. Uh, so what about the interaction with you and the person who created this camp? What Do about guys, it? Are you guys centered in your core emotional well-being? Well, I don't deal with the creator with very much. It's like they're multi-state now. It's like Texas, oh, really? Arizona. Is there someone in charge of this site? Because you said you're a co-site. I'm, I'm the site assistant to uh, what's called a camp director. So how's your interaction site assistants with the, and a camp director? How's your interaction then, with the other assistant and the camp director? I'm, it's great. Do you guys? It was a little rocky at first. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we had a, a day where the camp director was out and the two side assistants are like, we're next in command, right? And so there was this decision the day before that we're like, okay, well, the other guy, not me, was basically going to assume the role. And my commitment was to support him. And it was really funny watching him like go overboard with all of his power. Ah! <laughs> that's so funny i was thinking about nancy pelosi this morning yeah and, poor and you she, what poor you yeah well <laughs> poor her because i wasn't thinking kindly of her <laughs> go on i think she's a prime example of someone who really started off on the good foot and power corrupts you know she just reminds me of golem so much you know my precious <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that you called him Goylem. What's his name? Gollum. Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> Goylem. <laughs> That's the Jewish version of the Hobbit <laughs> where they went through the Red Sea. <laughs> a Freudo. Instead of Frodo, a Freudo. <laughs> a Freudo Cohen. <laughs> I think we're on to a parody here. 
Rabbi Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I this think Cantor hilarious. Gandalf would be better. Cantor Gandalf. Okay. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, so I'm uh I'm losing weight. Awesome. A little bit. And uh, you know, don't have much time to eat, so I gotta make it count. So, so are you eating my... healthy food when you make oh, it? Oh yeah, count? oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. good for you. Yeah, because I have to. I have to make my lunch and breakfast, and I have to be out the door. So I have just. Yeah, does camp have like at the camp no. I was at? They had snacks that the kids could no. buy, and it was no. you know it was they did their best for it to be good, but it was shit. The worst thing about being camp, um, being in camp this last week was being the peanut butter p- jelly police, peanut butter and jelly sandwich police. Like you, they're not allowed to bring peanut butter and jelly. No nuts, zero nuts at all. That is such shit. I fucking well. Hate that. There were two sad. kids that had you know epipens that had severe peanut allergies at the camp and severe penis allergies. No peanut allergies. Are you allowed to say penis in conversation about children? Um, am I allowed? Of course. This is America. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Freedom. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. So it was it was unfortunate to take away the main portion of someone's lunch yeah. and be like, sorry, dude, no peanut butter and jelly. Out of like, here. What do they sandwich. think they're gonna do? Like is they're gonna bite the kid who's got the allergy? Like just tell the kid with the allergy, don't eat this sandwich. It's not your sandwich. Don't eat it. Yeah, well, it's not like that. Sometimes even the vapor can make them sick. The smell. All it takes is one little smear of peanut butter on a surface that the kid touches, and we're off to EpiPen land. EpiPen land where the children play. Everybody's happy. Jab them in the thigh. (laughs) As they sigh and cry. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been fun. And, uh, riding my bike. Um, fortunately I'm not riding every day or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, it started, <laughs> we had a heat wave last week and, really? uh, the week before. And, oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. uh, so riding my bike home in, in the 102 degree weather after being really run through the ringer for three days, that was hard, but I'm good. I'm solid. I just see it as training for my, my gigs in the mountains I feel happy um, about being in a place where I can contribute to youth. And, you know, I've had some mixed feelings about this holiday, the 4th of July. I got into a conversation with my sister who was saying, you know, considering everything that's gone down with the Supreme Court recently that we're, you know, 4th of July is canceled. <laughs> and uh, I was like, hmm, not sure I'm buying that. And then she just, just dropped, she dropped a whole bunch of TikTok stuff on me <laughs> that really made it hard for me to hold on to that position. And I see where she's coming from. I really understand how how that is. And then I also like what I said to her was, you know, my grandfather said, there's a lot of things wrong with this system. And. So far, and he's a world traveler, he or was, and I haven't seen a better system out there yet. So as far as canceling 4th of July goes, I'm like, I get why people are really upset and why we don't really have a functioning um, country right now. But at the same time, the path back to 
some form of mutual um, beneficial society does not lie through burning it all to the ground. And, well, a couple things. One, did we ever really have a fully functioning country? I think you and I would be in agreement, no. It's never been fully functional. Um, and the second thing is... Well, it would just fully functional if you were a cis, white, heteropatriarchal slave owner. No, but it isn't it, it functional. Like, that's part of what we learn is that that system's just a painful system for all involved. Yeah. Um. There was something else I was going to say. Fourth of, oh, you know what pisses me off? I've been thinking about this, too, because I've seen a lot of rallies about Roe versus Wade that are supposed to happen on Fourth of July. And it's like I felt the same about Trump when Trump became president. And all of a sudden there's all these fucking rallies. It's like, you know what? The fucking ship sailed. You're on the fucking dock yelling and screaming about a boat that has left the harbor. Where were you when the boat was moored at the pier? Where the fuck were you? Nowhere. You were sipping your tea, listening to NPR, talking about whatever the fuck you wanted to talk about. And now this happens. And now suddenly you're jumping up and down. Blah, blah, blah. Where was that energy when it would have been of use? Well, it's still of use. We have to galvanize that energy and coalesce in order to move forward. And I get what you're saying. Like, but for me, the date goes back to the point where Al Gore conceded the 1999, the 2000 election, right? Like it's there to me, the moment that they declared the patriotic patriot act valid and attacked Afghanistan. Like there's all these moments where we stepped outside of what, you know, if we just go like, okay, we're going to accept for now that the U S constitution was our best hope. Then there were moments where we was just really stepped outside that for economic, to serve economic purposes and to, 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 to serve like different special interests. And it's messed up no matter how you slice it. Speaking of vagabond, our vagabond friend, the healer, did you yeah. see his post about um, right after Roe versus Wade? He said, this is all Hillary and the DOG's fault. Am I saying that right? The DOG? The dog's fault? Oh, yeah, blame it on no, the No, no, no. The, whatever the, the DNC. The DNC. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was on KGO. I called in on KGO this week and um, on a show, and I made the comment that, um, one, this whole January 6th thing is a clear indication of problems with Trump, but, and that there's been a great book written that ties Trump to the Russian mob through his New York real estate dealings, which were going sour and him needing to get bailed out and the Russians bail him out. He ends up owing a favor. And of course the Russian mobs connected to the KGB, which means he owes Putin favors. So he's been helping undermine the United States since before he was elected president. And then it's really clear that he was undermining the United States on the election in, in January 6th, 2021. Yeah, super clear. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you combine that with this idea that when we were trying to get Hillary elected, the DN will actually just elect a Democrat for president Hillary and her minions basically broke lots of rules to try and keep Bernie Sanders from getting the nomination. No, they kept him out. Yeah. They, 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 and the worst one was Nevada because it's yeah. on video. Yeah. And so the reality is that we don't 
neither party in this country serves the concepts of the Constitution. The idea of a united peoples has dissipated. And what we have is we have basically we have two teams all justifying whatever they do in order to for them to have their values and their morals be victorious because they see that as preeminent. They see that and we've been taught this over time that, you know, the quote, the libtards or the Republicans or that there's everything wrong with them. And that's the big problem. That's the big threat. Um, And it's all just a shell game to keep the people who profit from and, and who, who, my grant, my dad calls them the lords of finance. Um, and I, I was doing some research. You know, we talked about this last year. We talked about my dad's um, document that's called the second. Um, yes, we did. The second. The second declaration. way too long thing to read. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about July 4th and I went back and I did some research. It turns out that the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 2nd. What? Yeah. And that, um, or that it was, it was basically the independence was codified on July 2nd. Right. And that we chose July 4th because that's when the Continental Congress kind of, you know, got together and did it. But they the did. Declaration of Independence is pretty hardcore. Huge orgy in the White House, uh, you know, Alexander. There's no White House man. And, they're just all just fucking and sucking and having a great old time. All now, wait, are you thinking about Rome now? Like, where, how do we get to the exactly White House? the Caligula of the White House on on July fourth? All these <laughs> old white men just having this gay sex orgy of feast, just feasting on each other, fisting on each other, and then they they're all dead. Like, oh, that was great, yeah. And then. Okay, we signed the Declaration of Independence. That's what the public, you know, heard. Oh, yeah, but they didn't hear about this crazy orgy that happened behind the doors. I don't know where that's coming from in you, Greg, but I find it repellent. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? What's repelling about it? Everyone was there of their own volition. No one was there. Well, they're only there in your own imagination. That didn't happen. Oh, how do we know? Well, Are you there? How do we know it did happen? Because I found something that was written about it. You found in it in this cave in the basement of the pizza parlor in exactly. Washington, exactly. where all of yes. the child trafficking starts from. Right? Yeah, I reached through, uh, through a porthole of a green-horned mandate. I should from... never have expected a serious discussion about democracy with you. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah, because there isn't one. <laughs> Verbal fireworks ensued. But little bump bump. I think I should be humming the Star Spangled Banner while you do this whole diatribe about America. Ready? Let's try it. Go for okay. it. Three, two, one. Long time ago, mm-hmm. Europeans came over. And they took over land and resources, thinking that they were the badasses, that they had the gift of foresight and insight into what the future could be, to seek and form a new nation of freedom of religion. And 
the willingness and capacity to take whatever they want to manifest their destiny across the plains, crushing indigenous populations as they want, destroying the lives of innocent children, women, and men as they roared across the great plains and into the West claiming for themselves their manifest destiny as if they were the wise. But sadly, those crows have come home to roost. And there they are sitting on the flagpole pooping on the stars and bars. As we can see, the remnants of this incredible folly and the tattered tears fabric of society and the complete lack of freedom as we are controlled and our destiny is managed through our phones, our media, and our political identifications. Give you the greatest moment in podcast history, everyone. <laughs> or it could be a train wreck. <laughs> I loved it. I fucking thought that was brilliant. I can't wait to hear it because I couldn't hear what you were saying over mm. my humming. I hope you heard it. I meant every word of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That was okay, now it's your brilliant. turn. I'm, I'll, hung, I'll hum it and you, you do your thing. You ready? Oh, no. I don't know if I can. Whitey came from Europe, and as the great Malcolm X said, took up Plymouth Rock and threw it on all the BIPOC people of the planet, making a big splash, bringing in the cash, putting more in their stash as they pushed the Indian further and further into the desert, saying, here you go, here's a piece of dry shit land for you. You know what I think? I think the Indians should remind them, go, yeah, manifest destiny. You know what, Yellowstone? That's now our home. That's where we live. We're here. All the federal parks, that's our land. We live big There's some nice places. And I think they just set up camp and that's where they live. And, um, boy, what else? Nancy Pelosi, the Goyland in the White House, opening her freezer to show all the poor people her stash of chocolate bars that she loves, rubbing her hands gleefully together about all the vets that have come back home and have no medical care, rolling around in the dirty streets of America in pup tents, handed out by several government agencies, popped up with speeches. Of rich and all right. Now that both of us has taken a crack at the good old USA, we've committed sacrilege. Now those of you who are still got your corn dogs and your rifles ready to go. Well, here's another thing. My my thoughts about Trump went up because I thought he had just told everyone to go attack and then he had gone off to some party or something. But to learn that he wanted to go there and he was adamant, like, get me to that fucking White House. I want to be there. I'm like, okay, there's a general who's willing to be in the ranks and yeah, let's burn this fucker to the ground. Yeah. Hallelujah. 
But also, it's like exactly how dictatorships happen. Like, that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to do a full-on coup. So all these fucking people who are standing in this freedom, freedom, yay, America, that's what Trump is. Trump's bringing back our freedom. They're actually just supporting this fucking demigod, chaotic madman who's going to be a dictator, and all their freedom will be down the toilet. Right. I hear how angry and frustrated you are about all this. Fuck. Luckily, I'm taking Sid to go watch fireworks. That's how I'm going to celebrate fourth. He could probably see him from his window. No, his window's facing the wrong way. Oh. But I think also, like, the freeway in that hill would block it all. I think we. Oh, I've watched it from that side of the freeway before. Yeah, but what part of the freeway? Let's not get into details here. (laughs) That's not really for our audience to know. That is. Oh, what are you hiding, Mark? Come on, Senator. I'm hiding the boring aspects of our conversation. Senator (laughs) Went, where were you? You know, I actually do want to serve in government. I'd like to be president. All right. It's yours. You can have it. Great. I'm ready. You know why I want to be president? Because I think the way they do Christmas in the White House is freaking awesome. Like they know how to do holidays at the White House. Well, yeah. Would would you would you do Christmas? Fuck yeah, I would. Awesome. What about Halloween? Imagine what we could do on Halloween. Halloween yeah. is under celebrated at, at the uh, well, at least as far as we know, except for the secret orgy, Halloween orgies in the White House. See, <laughs> you're catching on. You know what the White House is about. Those yeah, secret tunnels. Bunker room 66. Yeah, a lot of people think that the secret tunnels of the White House are about landscape and archaeology. No, it's biology they're talking about. <laughs> we were talking about something our friend Mike Healy said about being a vagabond, and, and we kind of got derailed, didn't we? Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what, but, you know, on some level... America is talking uh, about how he said it was um, Hillary's fault that Roe versus Wade got overturned because that was the domino that put Trump into power, that put the three Supreme Court justices into power that created the overturning. of. Well, it actually started with Obama's being too um, circumspect about dealing with the fact that he had a Supreme court nominee that he should have gotten to put forth. He did I mean, the right thing. No, he did. no, he did not. There was a whole year where he was due a nominee and the Republicans played shenanigans. There should have been a full on battle where he stood up for what was right. Well, right. And Merrick Garland should have been a Supreme court justice instead of what we have now that would have really changed the tide. And so, and if Ginsburg had, um, had resigned earlier. Yep. Yeah. You know, fear drives a lot of of mistakes, fear. And and this is where the Republican strategists and the mall and I'm, you know, the maulers, the brawlers, the Vikings, the conquest at all cost mentality actually serves them. That male aggression is really what's, what's making it all succeed in a way. And it's sad because, We'd like to believe in the fantasy of egalitarianism and playing by the rules, but that's not how humanity works, unfortunately. Well, what if it does? What if well, in the end, it? what do you mean, what if it does? So our natural state is <clears throat> um, empathy, cohesion, all one. 
Like that's really our natural state. So we are evolving closer and closer to our natural state. Yeah. And then there's this whole halls of power charade that's going on where puppet masters are pulling the strings and career politicians are running around afraid of losing their pensions instead of actually serving the noble cause of democratic rule. Yeah. There's some uh, crystal incense burning fairies that believe that what we're witnessing is the true transformation of power on the planet. And this is like the last gasp of the dying off branches. Like they're, you know, this is like f- fucking Hail Mary. Oh, we're not going to go. But truly on a global level, humanity is in a peak evolutionary state. And yeah, we're at that sort of pre breakdown moment, which then once the breakdown occurs, the healing can begin. Right. And they believe that it's not just the United States. It's a global thing that's happening. Well, that would explain why all of those old crotchety people who are gripping the reins of power are tightly tightening everything up, trying to retain it. Right. Um, my dad, who will bring up again, calls it the collapse of Western civilization the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Did you um, see the, um, cl- that documentary, the collapse of Western civilization? I think that's, that's a what punk it was. rock movie, isn't it? Yeah. That yeah, was brilliant. Yeah. We've already talked about, a second one about, um, metal music. And it has that famous scene of the guy from wasp in a pool with a big old jug of whiskey, just chugging it down. And his mom there like kind of the smile plastered on her face. That's my son. He's just like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Life sucks. <laughs> Mom said, yeah, there's a real spiritual awakening for you. It's beautiful. <laughs> Throw myself against the wall. Rather feel bad than nothing at all. Wow. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of people who feel nihilistic about things and who feel powerless and who just, they don't know how to galvanize a movement around unity. They want to galvanize movements around political identity. And it's really weird to, to sit where I sit at 59 and, and to be able to like, listen to, you know, arguments, debates and rhetoric from people who would be considered antithetical or opposed to people who might be otherwise considered part of the rainbow coalition or the liberal movements. And, you know, it's possible for me to have this discernment of, you know, you know, Jordan Peterson says some really powerful things. And also the LGBTQA community should have, should be recognized and their, their rights should be recognized and people should be able to self-determine. And, you know, the whole idea at the root of the United States is, is this sort of concept of liberty of spiritual freedom and a society of tolerance where you can be whomever you choose to be and worship or not worship accordingly. And that we can all come together and make decisions using a democratic process, but more and more singing the national anthem again. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't seem to be working that way. I wish it did. You know, I, I don't like this idea that, you know, um, 
people like if your partner started identifying as a man and that was the only thing that happened what if your partner started identifying as a man that's the only thing that happened there was no biological change or no changes of habit other than refer to me as he and him and i'm a man would that change your choice of being in partnership with the person i would say probably yeah Although very significant things have shifted from where I thought I would be in the past and now, and I still really appreciate my partner. Right. Would you be gay? No. You'd be sleeping with a man or someone who identified as a man. Well, that's what I mean is probably not, right? I probably would not be. But nothing else changed. Well, what you're asking me is, how would I be? How would I show up? And in, in, and so what I'm saying is I probably would not sleep in that bed. Yeah. Which would make me uh, at least initially a vagabond. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you had a B- Airbnb in Bali. Or, no, or I mean, of- that's the goal. I would love to be able to, you know, have that kind of financial freedom and to create workshops and, and, you know, create this possibility for everyone to discover our mutual commonality, the things that help us, you know, would heal the world and turn it into something of balance and harmony. And I'm, I'm committed to that. Like I'm committed to that beyond this lifetime, because I think that's what the true essence of, what the natural law is, right? It's funny because people keep saying the word constitutional right. And if you read it, it says that we hold these truths to be self-evident that it's our birthright as humans. Like people are born into rights right. that are, that we're, we're endowed with from our creator is what it says. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the right. three mentioned. Right. So and it doesn't so, say you will, you will be happy, but you can pursue it. Well, I think it's unfortunate that this has turned into a thing where, well, state rights, you, if you want to live in a state where people can't have abortions, then that's how we're going to do things. And so now people are stuck in states that, that are like that, that don't agree with that. You know, that's part of the horrific thing about this is that it's, yeah. we, it's like this idea of, well, even the states get to determine things that aren't in the constitution. Well, okay. That's not a bad thing ultimately, except now it is, it is a bad thing where people like I saw this last week, gun laws, abortion rights, and the EPA thing with the coal. We're just getting started. Yeah. It's like, boy, man, this, these fucking judges, it's like, Trump really did just plant this bomb that's like a stink bomb. It's just going to go. Well, and the entrenched Democrats failed to read the writing on the wall and actually stand up for something when they could. Yeah, because they were too busy with their freezer full of chocolate bars. Right. And this idea... Yeah. And the idea of, well, if we just trust the process, right, they they misread history. They don't understand, like, you know, Hitler got elected 10 years before the genocide that, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of, of historical precedents here. And unfortunately, there's a lot like this book right here by Ray Dalio, The Changing of the World Order. You still reading that? 
Well, I refer to it a lot. I mean, the first pass, you know, the way the book's written is there's highlighted sections that are, you know, you can read just the headlines. And I don't know if you can make that out here, but you see how there's just that dark line at the top. Yeah. And so you can go through and you can get the basic gist of it. And then you can go back through and pull in more and more detail. But there's a statistical analysis that talks about the end of empire. And that's right where we're at. We're we're pre-collapse as the United States. That we're about to go under. Doesn't and, that energize you and your loins? Don't you just want to rise up in a furious fire of spittle and hate and just burn everything to the ground? Hey, you know it's funny. I used to feel that when I was younger. I used to think that was going to be it, um, and that's why I'm I'm the most uncomfortable right now in my I've ever been because I actually am in this weird middle zone where. I actually want there to be enough of a free society that Republicans can have the culture that they want in their cultures. And that my friends and my loved ones who are way more liberal than that, who want to cohabitate and have, you know, trans rights and, you know, psychedelic rights and all of these things that I consider essential core human values. This idea, the promise to me of America is that we could all coexist together. And that's the sort of the game we're in, because ultimately that's the idea that's supposed to change the world. We're supposed to be able to find a way to live together. But, you know, the Christian theosophists who want to have Christian dogma be the law are just as bad as the Muslims who want the Muslim doctrine to be the law, right? It's it's this whole thing of my spiritual views should be imposed on everyone else because otherwise humanity's doomed misses the whole point of self-determination views what it's not it's my views you know my view and what's interesting it's that thing of being triggered like i was i've been i haven't finished it there's a documentary about monty python making one of the greatest movies ever made hey by the way did you watch um true romance True romance. Yeah, that came up a couple episodes ago. And I told you there's the best scene ever in film history with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Okay. No, I haven't. I I really, movie time has been hard to come by. You said you were going to watch it though, like before camp started, Mark. I didn't do it. I failed. Okay. And in the, in the words of the Remember Institute, I want to restore integrity with you. I was unable to do as I said I would do. And the results are I can't have the conversation with you from a knowledgeable standpoint, which and the impact of that is the podcast is being um, cheapened and belittled <laughs> because I can't have a cogent conversation with you about this stupid goddamn movie scene. What if we just ended it right there? <laughs> the podcast, the recording has ended. Um, but so I'm watching okay, Roby one about Roby one of the greatest films ever created Monty Python's life for Brian. And as they were coming in to get ready to start making it, apparently this British magazine, I forget what it's called gay something. Um, there was a poem in there that this woman took offense at. And she was sort of like at the time, the mouth of British what's right and wrong and, you know, 
she was very adamant. Anyway, she, the guy who wrote the poem ended up in jail for like nine months, was fined $500 or 500 pounds. The magazine was fined. And that happened like right in the week or so as the film's going to be financed and start filming. And I think it was EMI pulled. And the guy who's in charge of EMI was like, no, we're not fucking doing this filthy send up of Jesus. Yeah, not a fucking judge. And he thought it was. And what's brilliant is when you listen to the Monty Python guys, they were like, we figured out early on as we were coming up with a storyline that we weren't going to make fun of Jesus. What he said was on point. What's funny is how, like the pe- you know, like the normal life going on around this person. Like, what did he just say? I think he said, "Blessed are the cheesemakers." Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, like all that human shit that's going yeah. on. Yeah, and that they kind of found it funny that this guy who's saying, you know, love each other, live in peace, then those words were used a thousand years later to kill people. Yeah. Or sooner. Or Those sooner. Jews were the first casualty of Jesus's sermons was him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not long after his close followers. Yeah. It is um wickedly wild. What's you brought up a Remember Institute and they posted about Emmett um Smith. Till. Is that Emmett his name? Till. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, No. So just a few days ago, the woman who accused him of whistling at her and started the whole mess. Recanted. um, No, she uh, they found an arrest warrant that had been issued for her and signed by a judge, but had never been followed through on. So they're looking at it as a legal document that can be acted on and that she can be still arrested. yeah, yeah. Wow. So there might be some some justice. Can't call that. It justice. We cannot call that. Justice. Yeah, yeah. That I was. We call I was it repercussions. Right, right. But here's like part of the whole thing with Roe versus Wade, Trump becoming president. Um, yeah, let's just lump all those things in together. Yeah, they are. That's because it's like when I hear that these two men who did what they did to Emmett were Still. found not guilty. Yeah. That to me is like a dream thing. Like my mind can't grok it. I don't like, you know what I mean? I just. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a part of the apathy as I'm talking about the fucking hillbillies on the pier yelling at the ship that has sailed the harbor. There's this element of like, oh, that can't really happen. And so it's easy to call it apathy. I think there's more to it than that. But then all of a sudden it does happen and. You're like, wait, what? What the f- what? You know, people are being his, uh, hypnotized and led astray by in mass, and the consequences could be extremely impactful. Hey, you're in the hermetic. Um, yeah, the initiative second, path, second year, second year, right? So, are there elements that you yourself are learning and experiencing that are pulling the fog from your own eyes where you're like, oh, you're seeing things that you didn't see a year ago even. Oh, yeah. I mean, on one level, 
it's not a, the fog being pulled from my eyes isn't really the right approach. I mean, that's 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 older. That's already happened. The seeing clearly and the discomfort that goes with that, the dichotomy of not being able to identify with, you know, one team or another. There's a lot of comfort in, in blind being a blind follower. There's a lot of discomfort in actually thinking for yourself and seeing and being discerning. But um, what I'll say about the second year adept path that I'm on is that we're beginning to learn the first level of exercises that are about being a force casting our will into the commons and, and being able to affect change beyond the scope of our, but it starts with having the capacity to maintain your own internalized transformations and they cross all planes, the mental, the spiritual and the physical. And there's more than those three, but the, the fundamental piece that, is inherent in the, the thing is this idea of what it says in the Kabbalion that all is mental. And what that means is it sort of intersects with what some people are saying in the, you know, quantum field theory and physics theory, which is that it appears as though the universe has a kind of process. That's a thought process to it in the way that it's put together. And so if you accept those two possibilities, those two theorems, if you will, then the change can happen from shifting the mental activity and the ability for that to propagate person to person is extremely high. And we have examples of that, both in terms of the, the craziness of Hitler and kind of what we're witnessing now in, in, in our own world. But then also we can look at what happened in the sixties with the explosion of this idea of love and harmony. So, we're not limited by the physical. In fact, all the men, all of the physical changes flow from the mental activity. And so if you train your thinking properly and you align with the higher powers, you can use those against the lower powers to raise everyone up to the next level. And when I say everyone, it's sort of interesting because everyone implies the vision, but you're just one. And so this is the challenge to remember who we really are, to remember that we're all one. And that the idea of conflict, the idea of division, the idea of polarity between us is somewhat of a misunderstanding. None of us are anti-life. None of us are pro-life. We're we're all pro-life, really. In the sense that we want our families to survive. We want to survive. Right? We want our culture to be a place that's hospitable. We want a safe place for our kids to go to school. We want a streets that function. We want an environment that's got clean water in it and wholesome food for everyone. Those things can happen. Play ball. And it, the way it happens is we first change our minds about who we want to be and how we show up in the world. What and if, as an yeah, adept, I'm learning how to be an influence in that regard, starting with myself. And I'm doing small experiments and small practices that have me realizing that capability more and more in every day. 
What if while in the midst of making love, your partner suddenly announces that they want to be identified as a man? Do you suddenly become gay? Depends if I pull out or not. <laughs> and which orifice you're in. <laughs> or what orifice is being filled. That's what I was saying. No, it wasn't. You missed it. No, I didn't. I was on point. Well, just put a peg in it for now. Roll it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... <sighs> How do you feel, Greg? Are you like feeling more um, like fluid as far as your attraction level? Are you more interested and, you know, are you interested in more than just women in terms of your sexual activity in life? No, no, I'm pretty clear that. No, but I am. Why have you raised this question twice during the podcast? It seems I think it's a funny concept. The fluidity of gender exploration and I started thinking, oh, maybe I'm gay because maybe the person I'm identifying as a woman doesn't identify as a woman. They identify as a man. But in my realm, they're a woman. Like, what? what's really, you know, in essence, what's being explored are labels, right? So who cares what they identify themselves as? I found them a beautiful woman. And I'm going to have sex with them. And because they identify as a man, that makes me gay, I guess. Gay as hell. And making love with this beautiful, what I thought was a woman, identifies as a man. Oh, wait, now I'm identifying as a man and she's back to identifying as a woman. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Hopefully it's a very slippery slope. Yeah, hopefully. Otherwise, it's rape. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, But that's... Hey, Roby-Wan Kenobi. I've just been exploring. And also, you know, I've been looking at my own uh, fear. Your own penis. My own fear in regards to homosexuality and just um, thinking about how prevalent, how prevalent, how prevalent in media stories are that are, you know, male, female stories. You know, what are you, a hetero story. And what that would be like for an individual who doesn't identify as hetero. And so I checked out a book from the library that's written by a gay man. It's a series of short stories and uh, it's really good. The, The gentleman's a really good writer, but just even me communicating that out loud, there's an element of, I can feel fear in the back of my head, this heat, you know, in the back of my head, like, Ooh, so I, have fear still of being identified as gay. And though for myself, because of my own experience with erotica, et cetera, my own imaginings when I'm thinking erotic thoughts, they involve women. Men are not exciting in that way. Yeah. I believe, hopefully, hopefully I have more comfort in just being who I am amongst whoever I'm with, whether they be gay, bi, whatever. It's, it's kind of like part of that freedom of choice, part of freedom 
is the ability to be present in the presence of the other. And the whole dissolution of the idea of another, of otherness. Right. Well, that's the ultimate step. Right. Yes. Yeah. So in that sense, it's impossible to say we're, we're, you know, we're hetero or homosexual. We just, cause we're all one. We are, we must be all be the same. Right. right. Which then you have to also lay claim to the horrors of humanity. We're that right. as well. I'm a monster. And, yeah. And I was, um, in uh, wake up whitey. There's that one video about, um, humility. It's not and, called wake up whitey. Please try again. Okay, so in Wake Up Whitey, there's no, that it's video. it's not called Wake Up Whitey. Try again. What is okay, it called? Okay, so in Wake Up Whitey, I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might get boring. It's it called might. something else. What's it called? Like, what is it called in, um, re, if you went to the Remember Institute, what would what you is see? It, what's the actual name of the course that you're in? The actual name is called Heal Thyself 14, 15, 16. 16. Heal thyself six. Anyway, so there's a video in. Heal so thyself. yeah, there's a video about humility, and she was saying how we all believe we're the center of the universe because we are looking out from this center point to the. You universe. spin me right round, baby, right round. So I started experimenting with looking at the whole as as though like I'm not the center of the universe, like working with that scene without a center point. And it's fantastic. It brings in nature. You feel the trees and bushes and flowers and people and roads. And, and it gets confusing very fast because, uh, you know, as we just pointed on the fucker with some kids in his basement in a cage is part of us. That's a very difficult thing to sit at peace and ease with. Yeah, well, if you're Trump, you it's difficult to recognize that you're at one with, you know, people who consider themselves liberal homosexuals or whatever his, you know, worries are. And and for us, for you and me, and I don't think I'm going out too far on a limb identifying this with you, but for us, this idea that we're one with Trump and his supporters, that's also very uncomfortable to think about. And the invitation for us to realize the unrealized promise of the Declaration of Independence is to drop away all of the division and fear and then find what's really there, which is our common human legacy, our common human connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I love about Prince's song is ultimately we are free. Everyone is free. We are. Which song? And, um, be glad that you are free. I think it's on 1999. Show me a man who's not. Be glad for what you have and what you got. Be glad mm. for. And yeah. And uh, right after Roe versus Wade, a friend of mine emailed me and said, as a father of two young girls, you must be very upset with what's going on. It must be very hard for you. And it has not been. And I kind of thought about that, and I realized that ultimately I hope that for myself and all, like we know that no one can take our joy. No one can take our freedom. 
if if we've lost our freedom, if we've lost our joy, we've given it away. And I think there's a lot of proofs of that for me. Um, I think it's a very privileged attitude. And I think while I, I get the principle of what you're saying, you are able, you come to that conclusion from sitting at the top of the pyramid by virtue of your status as a white male in this culture. I think that conclusion I has, been, has been found by people at the bottom of the pyramid. I think that um, is real. Or truth was very cognizant of that truth. That's okay. her whole speech. I agree. I, woman? I agree. And we, I agree. And there is the reality of oppression. There is the reality of, you know, people being bound and kept as slaves and people Absolutely. being kept in under the thumb of economic poverty today and, you know, slavery today. And so it's a dichotomy. It's a, it's a sort of interesting polarity of, you know, what we wish it were like and what we want to believe it's like in terms of how we view our, our human condition. No, but check this out. The difference is that w- what you're speaking of is an outward thing. Yes. And what I'm speaking of is an inward thing. Yeah, I agree. But and as within, so without. Amen. So where well, do we start? Won't. Hey, yeah. people. Um, hey, have, did you ever see the movie Menace to Society? Ooh, no, I don't think so. It's on Netflix. I just watched it. I love the Hughes brothers. They've made some brilliant films that I really love. And uh, I just watched it, and it's really good. And um, Is it violent? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, about, you know, from these two brothers' perspective, it's life in Compton. And uh, there's a lot of um, like Jada Pickett is in there. Pinkett. And, uh, yeah. She, she, at the time she's just Jada Pickett. And this gentleman Wait, that I met name one, was Jada Pinkett at the time. Pinkett. Yeah. I've always thought she's beautiful. She's just got this look that I really like anyway. So did Tupac uh, apparently. Yeah. Well, Tupac had a, look that I really like. Now, does that make me gay? I didn't want to fuck him, but I could feel uh, power. Yeah, like I could feel this like stoke, an energy stoke. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And I think it's, like, maybe I'm an eye person. Like both those individuals, I think, have beautiful eyes. Mm. Jada and Tupac. And your eyes look, <laughs> they're just not doing it for you. Like <laughs> yeah, for those of you who didn't have a camera, you got a very googly eyes at him. Shiny teeth. Um, anyway. Yeah, so society. as we talk about how people identify, uh, you know, want to identify as male or whatever, I realized that, um, and I'm gonna, just going to come out right here on Moped Outlaws, I no longer identify as cis, white, hetero sexual. I identify as something else. I identify as a human being of Prussian and Sicilian descent. (laughs) And, um, from that point of view, I no longer consider myself to hold the label of white. Okay. And I'd like to come out on my pet outlaws, be very transparent and say, I identify as a fire truck. Recording stopped.